0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Lady Pod with me Lottie Morley Series 3, how exciting and I can tell you now it's going to be a good one Lady Pod is all about highlighting wonderful women from all walks of life It's storytelling for the sisterhood Listen to LadyPod if you want to be inspired by some incredible people Who have agreed to have their legs talked off by me It's so good to be back, let's get on with the first episode And we're back with a bang. My first guest for this series is author Millie Gooch, former drunken party girl and the founder of the Sober Girl Society, a community for sober and sober curious women around the world. I won't go on too much. Let's hear it straight from Millie. Hello, Millie. Thank you very much for coming
1: on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Start off by telling me a little bit about yourself, Millie.
1: Yeah, so my name is Millie. I basically am a retired binge drinking party girl, um, which uh, I stopped drinking. So it was February 2018. So literally just over three years. So I had my three months anniversary last week. Um, and when I was about seven months sober, I kind of I'd looked around on Instagram to find maybe like a community that uh, of kind of like young millennial non-drinking women and I couldn't find anything and I, I was 26 when I stopped drinking and I kind of wanted like a support system, I wanted to find people who would you know chat about non-alcoholic wine or sober dating and I just could not find it on Instagram so I thought well you know I've got an Instagram account, I know. How it works, I'm going to set up something. So I set up Sober Girl Society. And at the time, I thought it would be, you know, like 10, 15 of us maybe having a little chat. Um, And today it's now a platform of 125,000 people plus. So (laughs) that escalated quite quickly. Um, So now I sort of, that is pretty much my full time job. Um, I've just written a book and then I spend the rest of the time kind of like organizing events, running our blog, doing lots of initiatives around not drinking, basically.
0: God, that's amazing. 125. And I mean, I'm assuming not all 125 of those are uh, strictly sober, do you
1: think? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, we advertise it as a platform for sober and sober curious women. So we get a total mixture. I would actually say it's probably about half and half. So you kind of get people who will do long stints of sobriety. We get a lot of people joining us in dry January and sober October. And it's really good because then they kind of like stick around once they follow the page, they kind of get a little bit more involved and you kind of notice a shift in their drinking habits. They'll kind of say, oh, I've joined for Dry January and then they will message six months later and be like, you know, since Dry January, I've kind of stuck around. I've become a little bit more mindful of my drinking. So, yeah, it's not necessarily complete teetotal as we, we get a mix.
0: Can you tell me your story then? Your story about what made you think actually I'm gonna I'm gonna give up drinking.
1: Yeah, so I always say I was kind of like a latecomer, really, in British terms to drinking. I didn't actually really do the whole like fourteen year old drinking on a uh, drinking in the park kind of thing. I actually didn't start drinking until I went to university. So I am an August birthday, which means that I'm like the last one to turn eighteen in the year. Um, and then I turned eighteen, and then three weeks later I went to university. So. I had gone from kind of being like a zero drinker pretty much I think I'd probably been drunk maybe like once or twice at like house parties but had never really gotten a taste for it and I was just launched into this like I went to University of Sussex in Brighton so I was launched into this like nightlife culture Um I always said that I wanted to like work when I was at uni so I worked in like multiple bars I worked in a vodka revolution which is not the greatest place to work if you uh, are trying to cut down on your drinking so um, I yeah kind of got really heavily into boozing at uni and when I left uni I kind of then went into fashion and I went into journalism and I mean you will know the media is quite a notoriously boozy industry you go to a lot of kind of work parties and you know as soon as you go in you have like champagne thrust in your hand and so I kind of I kind of worked in that that sphere for a while and all the while my drinking got very slowly but progressively worse and it kind of started more as I would experience more memory gaps I would have blackouts I wouldn't remember how I got home I would go out uh, and then I would go like fall asleep on the train home end up thousands of well not thousands, that's an exaggeration, miles away from my home. (laughs) Um at the end of at the end of the line I'd wake up, you know, some nice train attendant would have to wake me up and then I'd have to get 200 pound Uber home. And and then it kind of got like slightly scarier and, you know, I would just forget how I'd got home and I wouldn't remember things that I'd done or said and I started to get that real beer fear, anxiety. And then it kind of started to take a really bad kind of like Effect on my mental well-being, so I would spend like pretty much my whole weekend hungover, anxious, feeling shameful, feeling rubbish. Would just about start feel better like Wednesday, Thursday, and then I was like a goldfish. I would just go, "Oh, I know what made me feel better: going out and getting pissed." So I kind of got into this like real shame cycle, if it were of like drinking feeling anxious, feeling hungover, feeling a bit embarrassed about things that I'd done and then just would keep doing it all over again. And then, yeah, February 2018, I woke up, I had an almighty hangover. But I always say it probably wasn't the worst hangover I've ever had, but it was just one of many. And I woke up and just said, like, that's it. I don't don't think I can drink ever again. And I downloaded The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober because I'd read an interview with Catherine Gray about three weeks before on the tube in Stylist. I downloaded it and that was it it just changed my mindset on drinking and sobriety and and it sounds really silly to say like a book can just change everything you believe in but that is what it did for me and yeah three years later here we are.
0: God, there are so many relatable things you've just said. You know, the whole beer fear, being a goldfish, you know. Everyone says, oh, I'm never drinking again. and It's like like a bit of a joke, isn't it? Because you're like, oh, yeah, see you on Saturday. Everyone says those things. Do you think there was like a, a eureka moment for you where you thought, this is too far, or was it just a combination of all the things you've just said?
1: I think it was a combination, to be honest, because I think when you hear like, oh, it was just that day and I just stopped and was like, okay, like, that's it, now I'm done. But I don't think it was like as easy as that. I think it was the combination of many hangovers of being like, I'm never drinking again. I think that was probably like the 47th time I'd ever said it. So I don't think it was like one eureka moment, but I think reading that book, kind of like really solidified it because I always say like it it sounds really silly but up until that point I never really thought of drinking as something that I could take off the table and I think this is like a particularly British thing is that we always feel like we have to make it work whether that's like oh I'm just gonna you know do dry January and try and reset it or you know I'm only gonna drink at the weekend or I'm gonna make sure that I don't have more than two or like you put all these kind of like different rules on yourself um and I had been doing that for years and found it quite exhausting but it had never occurred to me like oh actually you could just become a non-drinker and until I read that book and kind of saw someone who was a non-drinker living this like great fun sober life I thought well I, I like it just hadn't occurred to me which sounds really silly so that wasn't necessarily a eureka moment but it kind of like solidified that as a right yeah now is the right time
0: i don't think it sounds silly at all i think it's so deeply embedded in our culture you're working at revs like come on you that's a that's a pretty (laughs) difficult thing to say no to that i just think that's that's quite difficult When you first gave up drinking, was there, was it like a complete cold turkey or were there points where you sort of said, Oh, actually maybe we'll start next week. Or, you know, you, you, did you, was it like that was the day you did it and that was it?
1: Yeah, that was the day I did it and that was it. But I think cause before that I'd done dry January, I'd done many sober October. I did, I think it was before dry January was even called dry January. It was dryathlon. I did that Um, I once gave up alcohol for Lent Um, I'd done my fair share of like trying to make it work and trying to moderate so I think it it was a case of yeah that day just going that's it now and then cold turkey but I think this had been a culmination of like five or so years of like trying different avenues so I think that day it was done but I wouldn't just say it was oh yeah one day I just woke up and I just decided I wasn't going to drink anymore like I don't don't think it was like that yeah and what do you think of things like dry january and
0: sober october are you a little bit like absolute? are you like go for it try it out or are you just sort of looking at people going oh part-timers what do you think of that no
1: i do you know what i really don't like the mentality because i know there is a mentality from some like full time variety people that would say part-timers but I'm a big harm reductionist and I've got so many friends that like drink mindfully, are sober curious and I think they are such a good way in for people. Um, Even if it's just like they do dry January and they do sober October and that's two times of the year where they have an excuse because, I mean, it would be amazing if people didn't need an excuse, but often they do feel like they do because they know they're going to be asked, well, why? So if they can say, oh, I'm I'm doing dry January I'm doing sober October and that leaves, like whoever's asking them leaves them alone. I think that's great and also like I know from experience uh, we get so many people come to us in January who then stick around and like January the 1st I had so many people tag us in a post that was like it's my year sober today it's my two years sober today so people have started it in dry January and carried it on so I yeah I hate like any kind of you know, discouraging people from taking part because I I would actively encourage any kind of time off, even if that's a week, even if that's taking a weekend off, if you drink every weekend, like any kind of harm reduction is is good in my books.
0: Do you think you had a problem or was it something that you just thought you, you had control of, but it was just a bit out of hand?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think I had control over it. I do think it was a problem. I think this is also like a massive wider conversation is that like when it comes to drinking problems, we think of one typical problem. We think, you know, rock bottom, 40 year old man drunk on a park bench, like that's what we think. We don't think of problems as like, a binge drinking problem or like this problem it's kind of one problem and that's it but if alcohol is interfering with your life if it is causing you distress if it's making you do things that you don't want to do that is a problem whether it's that you're waking up at 10 a.m and you know putting vodka on your cornflakes that's not really the point it's is it a problem in your life then yes it's a problem and it was a problem in my life even if I could say go two or three weeks and not have a drink when I did drink it was a problem
0: yeah no I totally see what you mean I, I and actually I I can relate to that I, I do drink I'm not sober but I don't drink for weeks on end especially in lockdown we just don't drink at home really unless it's like you know a birthday or Christmas things like that uh, and, but then when we do go out we drink loads and I me and my friends just drink 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 you know so I can completely relate to that Uh, so did you know anyone else that didn't drink or were you the first of first of your friends
1: I was the first of my friends I didn't know a single other person who didn't drink I knew like I have friends who are kind of I would say more sober curious but I didn't know anyone that was completely teetotal so that concept felt completely alien to me
0: God, that is mad. That I actually think that is um, quite brave of you to sort of be like, "I'm going to do it. I don't want to drink anymore. I find it it's being it's problematic for me, and I'm just not going to do it."
1: Yeah, I think looking back now, I think it was very brave. But at the time, I just felt so like low and so desperate in a way to like fill. Feel- just anything unlike I was feeling. So I kind of, I was like, I just have to do this for me. So now when I look back, I'm like, God, yeah, I was quite ballsy actually. <laughs> but at the time, it just felt like that was the only option. <laughs> mm. And did you find it difficult? Yeah, 100%. I think there's, there's kind of like things that I thought would be hard that weren't hard and then things that I found really hard. I mean, one of the biggest things that I didn't even realize would be a thing is that I... I mean, like as an adult, I'd pretty much suppressed every single emotion by drinking, whether that was stress, heartbreak, shit week at work, I would take the edge off with a drink. So when you're all of a sudden faced with all your emotions, you're like, okay, well, I don't know how to deal as an adult with all these feelings that I have, like, what do I do with them? So like, that was something that I didn't even think would kind of like come up from it. I thought it would... Like the hard things would be the socializing and the dating and all those things. I didn't realize there would be like a whole other layer. And and also it's like, for me, my whole identity was kind of tied up in alcohol. So, you know, like every meme I was tagged in was gin related. Every birthday present I got given, I could drink. <laughs> and then all of a sudden when when you stop drinking it's like, well, who even am I without this, like, party girl identity? Like, why do my friends like me? What, why do I like me? What do I like doing? So it, it, you think it's just going to be not drinking and you're going to have to learn how to, like, be okay in social situations without a drink in your hand, but it's, like, so much more than that. It's almost like learning who you really are. <laughs> how did the people around you react when you told them you weren't going to be drinking? Do you think
0: it um, affected any of your relationships that you had?
1: Yeah, interestingly, like I always say, their reactions were quite underwhelming because I either thought their reactions would be like "That's amazing, you've needed to give it up for a while," we were all worried about you, or that their reactions would be like "You're going to be really boring, we don't want to be friends with you anymore." Like I thought it would be one of on the two, um, but they were they were very underwhelmed, and I always say I think that was partly my fault because. Like I said, it had been like so many times of me saying I'm never drinking again. So I actually think that they didn't think that I would stick to it. So it's not that they were like unsupportive, but I think they were like, yeah, all right, I've heard this one before. And I remember we, I was about six months mm-hmm. in. And then me and my friends were going on holiday. And my friend said, okay, but you are going to drink on holiday, aren't you? And I was like, no, I'm not going to drink on holiday. And then I think that was that's actually a real cool turning point. point. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm doing it. And I think that was a real turning point yeah. because they were like, well, okay, she's actually serious about this now. So maybe we should kind of support her with this. So I think once they realized that I was actually serious about it, then they all kind of like rallied around. But I think up until that point... I think I was pretty much on my own because no one actually believed I was going to do it, which I don't blame them for. So it was it was my own doing, really. Like I said earlier, it's that whole,
0: oh, my God, I'm never drinking again. They probably thought, oh, yeah, Millie, never drinking again. Yeah, okay, we'll see you. You'll see you at the pub sort of thing. What was it like on those first few nights out? Did you tell people immediately? How did you approach that?
1: No, I told everyone. I'm really close with my friends and I knew that like, I knew that deep down, they would kind of understand because they'd seen me in some of like the worst situations. And and I think at the time as well, I kind of didn't necessarily put a, a time frame on it. I don't think I said like, I'm never ever drinking again. I think I kind of said, well, I, I did when I first stopped. But then I think I kind of said look, I'm just not drinking at the moment. Like this is just something that I really want to do. And so I as well am quite stubborn and I didn't want them to think that I was going to be boring when I stopped drinking. So like my first night out, I went out to Shoreditch until 3am because I was like, I'm not going to prove them right. They're not going (laughs) to, they're not going to go, oh, she's really boring now. She doesn't drink. So I kind of did baptism by fire really, which I don't necessarily recommend to everyone. Um, But I actually kind of did the first night out and was like, this is fine. It's not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Um, and then yeah, onwards and upwards from there, really.
0: One of the things that pops into my mind is that, um, from my own personal experience, I actually hate being around drunk people when I'm not also drunk. Is that something that you can relate to?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's the point probably (laughs) when I leave, although it depends. I have got really used to like my friends being (laughs) drunk. And I I can tolerate my friends drunk. I can't tolerate drunk strangers. I think that is a real difference for me. If they're my friends, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to look after definitely. you. Yeah. And if they're strangers, I'm like, no, please, please stop.
0: <laughs> I think to be honest, even if I have had a drink and uh, there is another drunk stranger, that can be irritating,
1: can't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: If we fast forward to now, what are people like when you tell them now? Like, obviously, you must come across people that you don't know. Um, Do you ever get people sort of saying, oh, you know, oh, do you want a drink? Oh, oh, are you pregnant? Oh, is there something wrong? You know, like, because I know what people are like and I can imagine them. Oh, there's got to be a reason for why she's not drinking rather than it's just a personal choice
1: yeah I still get it I mean luckily because I'm kind of super confident in the decision now it doesn't affect me if someone says if someone had said to me at the beginning oh is it because you're pregnant I think I would have got upset if someone says it now I literally just roll my eyes but I I do get it because especially like I I freelance I still do freelance journalism so I work in their offices all the time I meet new people all the time and I do get like on a Friday night drinks oh like why don't you drink and I mean that in itself is also an interesting conversation that people always need a why if I was to say to you oh like do you smoke Mm. and you said no I wouldn't say oh why I would know why because it's it's not good for you but with alcohol like it's the same thing it's not good for us that's why we a lot of us stop but people always need a why like why well why they can't possibly fathom that you've just stopped
0: yeah and it's like weirdly embedded in our society isn't it like I don't think it's the be all and end all if one of my friends said to me I'm not going to drink anymore. I I actually, if I'm completely honest, I probably would go, oh, how come? You know, I I think that would just be a natural reaction. Obviously, if I didn't know them very well, I don't think I'd be like, oh, you're pregnant, because I think that's totally rude. But (laughs) don't you think, do you think it is just, it's just like the norm in our society, especially for younger people?
1: Yeah, definitely. Although, I mean, saying that the kind of stats are showing now that actually young people are drinking less. I think it's kind of like, my age group and kind of like slightly older it is more those millennials than it is like gen z gen z are actually proven to sort of be drinking less but i think it's kind of like the tail off end of like Ladette 90s culture and then my era of like geordie shore and those kind of programs that you know encouraged everyone to go out and get mortal i think it's us that are still hesitant to leave drinking behind and to not question it and to not put it under the microscope whereas gen z seems to be a lot more open to being like okay well what what, like what is this why am i drinking it am i just doing it because everyone else is and you know i think we see the rise of veganism and the rise of sustainability so i think it's only natural that now alcohol might actually be the next thing that gen z are turning their backs on So how would you describe your relationship with alcohol
0: now? Is it ever something that you think about revisiting? So, you know, special occasions, birthday, Christmas, things like that, you know, where you're surrounded by people who are having like a a glass of champagne at
1: 10am? It is not something that I want to revisit. And I say that with like complete honesty, because I mean, people say to me, oh, do you ever miss it? And it's not even like the alcohol I miss. I don't look at like a glass of red wine and think oh, I really, I really want that. I think the only thing I miss, if anything is like that kind of shutdown of your brain where you, you know, your inhibitions are lowered and, but, but I think you learn over the years how to kind of like combat that naturally. And like, I've learned new ways to deal with stress and things like that. So I don't. And I think I'm so lucky that in like the last three years as well. I mean, when I first stopped drinking, there was like Bex Blue and Seed Lip, and that was it. And now there are so many good alternatives to everything. You could get whiskey alternative, rum alternative, Prosecco alternative. There's so many good ones. Then when it comes to the actual act of drinking, so say it is Christmas, 10 a.m., everyone's having a Bucks Fizz there's amazing alcohol-free box fits that I can have. So I still feel very much part of it. So I don't kind of miss the, the ritual of it because I can still take part in that bit. It's literally just the alcohol. And there's been so many good things about not drinking that thinking about just having like oh just that one is, is kind of like not worth it to me and I always say because a lot of people say oh not even at your wedding I'm like look if there's gonna be one day that I'm gonna risk having a drink it's definitely not gonna be the day where everyone is looking at me and I'm wearing a white dress like that's not the day that it's gonna be
0: imagine imagine you like oh yeah just a glass of red wine and then it's just all over the dress yeah no thank you so obviously there are loads of benefits but what would you say has been the hardest part for you
1: I, th- I think probably like the the like feeling your emotions part is actually such a big thing because it is like for so many of us, it's a stress reliever. It's what we use to unwind. It's what we use after a hard week at work. So learning new things that aren't like quick fixes because with alcohol, it kind of like stops it straight away. Whereas you have to like learn other things that probably has been one of the hardest things I would say everything else I think I built up in my head would be harder and so therefore I think it's easier so like sober dating sober going to festivals sober Hindus, I thought they were going to be like the worst things in the world and because they've turned out not necessarily to be that way I don't really think of them as hard because they weren't like they obviously are hard but they're not as hard as I'd built them up in my head to be so yeah I'd say like the actual emotional part of it which is one of the Things that you don't really think you're even going to come across if you stop drinking.
0: And you said that you used to use it for like a stress reliever, but you found other ways of handling stress. What Can I ask you what those are?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love like getting out and going for a walk. I'm not like a huge runner. I'm not massive on like cardio. But even just getting outside, for me, that's a really good way to like differentiate the the kind of like end of the working day because I know for so many people that is a wine it's kind of like especially working from home people have got no kind of way to separate their day from their evenings so so many people are having that like glass of wine as like a signal so I like get out 15 minutes even if it's like walk around the block just get out come back into your house if to be like okay I've come home from work this is my evening and um, I'm a massive bath advocate as well <laughs> people are like oh um like can baths really help you and I'm like honestly baths have kept me sober I think because I again I'm not like a huge meditator but if I like go into the bath that is like 20 minutes to half hour no phone time like just me with my own thoughts sitting there like thinking about it so baths for me have been a huge one like herbal tea even like the ritual of having a drink I think you can still have that but just as a non-alcoholic drink so if I want to relax I'll get like a non-alcoholic prosecco or something like that or a wine get a really fancy glass make sure it's chilled pop the cork unscrew it whatever make it a real thing sit down unwind like so many people say to me when they stop drinking and then they start doing rituals like that, they're like, I never realized it is the habit and not necessarily the alcohol. Once you sit down and you're like, oh, just take five minutes for yourself. You don't even need that to be boozy. Joel, I
0: saw your Instagram the other day. Uh, I think you did a reel that was like, three ways to make your non-alcoholic drinks like really bougie. Yeah. <laughs> can you run over what they were for me?
1: Yeah. So they, one was get really fancy glassware because I mean, I know I've been in a bar and I've ordered like a soft drink and it just comes in like a pint glass. It'd be like a pint of tonic. And I'm like, can you not at least put it in like a nice glass of like a wedge of lime? Um, the other one was edible shimmer. So um, you just pop it in your drink and swirl it around. And the last one was rimming sugar, actually. So, you know, you see um, mixologists will like put it. It's mainly with like margaritas and things like that, that they'll do like salt around the rim. So you can get like really cool, colorful rimming sugar. So even if you've got tonic in your glass, you can make it look like 10 times more exciting than it actually is.
0: I love that. Yeah. And actually, I think you're so right. The ritual of getting a nice glass, getting the ice out the freezer, putting the night, you know, it is. And, and sitting down and being like, right, let's relax. It's It's got to be part, I think, 50% mindset, 50% al- the alcohol making you feel relaxed. Oh, 100%. I was going to ask you, what is your, what are your favourite alcohol uh, replacements?
1: Oh, I really like spirits. So I love kind of like Kalenio, um, amplify. I'm trying to think I've got a whole um behind me, alcohol-free drinks trolley that I'm staring at to look at what I'm enjoying at the moment. Ooh, wow. Um, I'll show you that actually. I'll twist you. Everleaf oh, is snow bougie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Everleaf is great. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Liars. Liars have a great range. they do, they've basically liars is in the kind of like the bird is a mimicking bird so they have like mimicked the entire back bar of spirits that you need to create alcohol-free cocktails so they've got like an amazing coffee liqueur that I use in alcohol-free espresso martinis um so they're really good and I mean so many new ones are coming to market when I first started there was nothing and now I must get like a new brand contact me every week that's like oh we're just launching which is like so exciting
0: oh my god I've just realized yeah you must get
1: all of the uh the new stuff sent to you that's so good no wonder you've got a trolley yeah oh I honestly I've um, I used to when I was living with my mum. every week she'd be like more drink for you and our neighbors would always go god she drinks a lot doesn't she and my mum would go oh ha 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 (laughs) Promise you it's got no alcohol in Yeah. <laughs> I bet they
0: didn't believe you. <laughs> no, and
1: when I take the bottles out, because I get through quite a lot, I take the bottles out and I can hear them clinking and people are looking at me, probably like, oh, she drinks a lot. And I want to be like, no, they've got no booze in them.
0: That's so funny. I can just imagine them being like, gosh, she looks fresh. Yeah. right? And she's taking out six bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> so where, we've talked about the hardest part. Now, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of giving up alcohol?
1: Um... I mean, it sounds really cliche, but there hasn't been like one part of my life that hasn't been like positively affected by not drinking, whether that is physical health, finances, mental health, productivity, like just absolutely everything in my life has improved through not drinking. But if I had to like pinpoint one, then for me, it is like better mental health. Um, And I think that kind of comes directly and indirectly. So obviously, alcohol does affect our brain and the chemicals in our brain. So, removing that can directly improve your mental health but also just things like you know when I was hungover, I wouldn't see daylight for like two days because I'd just be hungover in bed I would ignore all my messages so I wouldn't speak to anyone for a couple of days I would not get out I would not exercise I would order Domino's pizza for breakfast like all of those things that can contribute to poor mental health were kind of happening as a result of me drinking so me stopping that means you know I'm not saying I get up every Saturday morning and go to the gym but like I'll have nice lay-ins now (laughs) I'll have a lovely lay-in and be like well I'm going to enjoy this laying because I'm not hungover. and then I'll get up and then maybe I'll do a bit of yoga and I'll have like a nice brunch or I just have more time and more energy and clarity and I'm not always worried about what I said or what I did. I'm not feeling like shameful about things that I did when I was drinking that perhaps didn't align with my actions and who I want to be as a human. I was kind of like forever waking up and be like, I can't believe I did that. That is so unlike me. So now when I wake up, I'm like, okay, well, I know everything I did, even if I royally messed up came from like me and uh the kind of like best possible decision that I could have made at the time rather than this like raging tequila demon who seemed to like orchestrate all the chaos in my life so i think just just that has been like instrumental for me tequila demon oh my god i love that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned about sober dating was that something obviously you you said you'd just gone through a breakup was that something that you were really you were worried about when you when you gave up alcohol
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, alcohol is ingrained in everything in our culture, but I think especially dating, I think I was really worried about people's reactions. I was really worried about how I would go on a date sober. You know, I was kind of worried about telling people. Um, I was worried, just so many worries really like, okay, well, what will we even do on a date if we weren't drinking? So yeah, I I was very Mm. kind of like worried about it at the start. Yeah. And how did it go? I'm assuming you went on
0: some dates and you've you've overcome the fear.
1: Yeah, I mean, I loved sober dating in the end. It was, again, another thing that I thought was going to be the most terrifying experience and was actually quite enjoyable. I found like 95% of people reacted really positively when I told them I kind of thought everyone would be like oh you're really boring no I don't want to go on a date with you and actually most people were like oh that's really cool I've thought about doing something similar or like good on you lots of people like rated that had the confidence to go on a date sober so like that in itself was surprising and I mean, I'd done drunk dating kind of like before when I'd had like me and my ex-boyfriend separated for a little bit. So I had like a period of drunk dating. I just thought like there was a spark with everyone because gin can have a habit of, you know, creating something <laughs> yeah. for nothingness. And I would go home and be like, they're the one I found the one. And then I'd go on a date with them the next week and be like, Oh, oh no, goodness. we have nothing in common. So I think that yeah, it just showed to me when I was kind of like sober dating, you could tell organically, like if you had chemistry with someone and if it was going to work long time and you kind of were able to like spot red flags easily um, because you were quite aware and you asked the questions that you mm-hmm. wanted to ask, you found out what you wanted to ask. And there also like wasn't that much of a pressure to stay out all night so you know you could go and if you didn't like them you could maybe have one or two drinks and then politely say thanks I'm going to call it a night whereas when you're kind of like drunk dating there is that expectation whether you like them or not to kind of like see it out till the end and drink so I found that that portion was mm-hmm. was much easier. I always say, like, even if you have no plans to cut down or stop drinking, if you are dating, you should try going on a few sober dates because I honestly think it makes such a difference.
0: So you created the Sober Girl Society. Where did that come from? Was that because you didn't think there was much of a a sort of community there when when you did give it up originally?
1: Yeah, exactly that. I think like I kind of followed similar pages, but like different objectives. So like I followed, say, like Anti-Diet Riot Club. So it was like a community. People had like one goal. They wanted to talk about a topic. They were like young and cool. And then I just couldn't find that kind of like community for alcohol or sobriety. And the only thing is I could find were kind of like recovery based, um, a couple that were like US based and a kind of few that were talking about like mummy wine culture were slightly older demographics. I couldn't find anything for young British women. So I just thought, well, I yeah, I'm gonna start it and we'll see how that goes. So yeah, it was it was something that I needed as much as starting it for other people which sounds quite selfish when you say it but it was something that I really needed I really wanted to find people like me and to talk to people like me who were going through what I was going through so yeah I started it as much for me as I did for anyone else and
0: what was the reaction been and what was the reaction like when you first started it from people following you and and the people around you
1: yeah, it just I mean, my two best friends helped me come up with a name, actually. So they were really lovely and supportive. Um, and then it just took off straight away, like just from the get go, people always say to me like, Oh, have you got any tips for building your Instagram page? And I'm like, I genuinely don't, because I still, to this day, do not know how it like took off so quickly. But I just started like posting quotes and like interesting articles I'd found about sobriety and you know recommending books that I'd read and podcasts that I'd listened to and I didn't even put like my face on it until I had 10,000 followers it was a completely like community anonymous account up until that point um and then we started doing these like uh, find your sober sisters threads so you would basically comment where you live I mean not your actual like address but your town. Um or people would say, you know, like East <laughs> London. Yeah, don't give out your postcode. Um and people would say like whereabouts they were from. <laughs> and then I had a message from a girl who said, um, I'm I live in London and I've seen the thread and there's like 40 girls who have all said they're from London. Would you mind if I organised a meetup? And I was like, no, like of course not, but can you just tell me the date first? Cause I would like to come. So I actually didn't even organise the first SGS meetup and then we kind of had a chat afterwards. and I was like do you want to like maybe help me do this like quite regularly and maybe we can do some other places so yeah we started running the no monthly way. we did London we did Manchester we were just about to do Liverpool and coronavirus had other ideas do you know what actually coronavirus let's talk
0: about that and the lockdowns and stuff 'Cause we were saying that for a lot of people, drinking had their drinking habits had become worse during lockdown. Is that something that you that you had seen?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, the kind of research is showing that people have gone either way that people, well, there's like three ways people have gone. They've either stayed the same, they have drunk considerably a lot more or they've drunk considerably a lot less. I think it's three fifths are kind of stayed in the middle. One fifth have gone up and one fifth have gone down. So we're kind of noticing a tilt either way in that like we've had so many more people come to us in like a, hey, I'm like really cutting down at the moment. Have you got any good tips? or we're getting people coming to us at the other end saying, hey, I'm really struggling at the moment, I've been drinking a lot more. So we're kind of getting both of those two groups, the ones who are drinking less and the ones who are struggling because they are drinking more. Um, So that's kind of like what we've noticed, really. And I think at the start, it was very quiet, because, you know, everyone was really excited about lockdown, well, not excited about lockdown. But it was a bit of a novelty. It was a bit of a, oh, we're all working from home. We can have four It PM. was a novelty. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of, it was kind of quite quiet at that point because everyone thought it was a bit of a party and that, yeah, they could start drinking at four because their boss wasn't there. And then I think about four weeks later when people realized <laughs> it wasn't sustainable anymore, we kind of had like a an absolute influx of people saying, you know, like I, I can notice the effect on my mental health. I'm a bit worried that maybe I'm drinking too much. So, yeah, it, there has been like a complete uh, change of drinking habits, I would say, because of the pandemic for better And for worse.
0: Let's talk about your book. This is really exciting. You've written a book and it came out uh, in January. So first of all, tell us what it's called. Tell us what it's about.
1: Yeah, so it's called The Sober Girl Society Handbook. So it's an empowering guide to uh, living hangover free. So it's kind of a mix of, I would say, like narrative memoir, self-help. So it kind of starts with a bit of my story, but also a bit of kind of like everyone's story really, as in like where we are in terms of drinking as a country. Um, and kind of like how that came about. So Sex and City, Geordie Shore, that kind of thing. Um, and then it kind of goes into this new rise of the sober curious, you know, why are millennials drinking less? And um, there's a lot of kind of scientific information. So you know, what alcohol does to your body and to your brain. Um, and then it's kind of got real like practical tips on giving up alcohol. And it's basically everything I've learned in three years of not drinking. So I've done an amazing amount of Hindus, festivals, baby showers, weddings, you name it, I've done it sober. So it's like very, very practical tips. And then the last kind of chapter is, uh, of the book is kind of like an exploration of you know the alcohol industry, marketing tactics. It's a bit more of like an activism chapter. and you know if you do want to get involved in the charities in this space here's how you can do it. So it's kind of like a a three sixty approach it, it is everything I would have needed to know when I stopped drinking.
0: Oh, well done. Congratulations. That's such a massive deal,
1: writing a book as well. I'm assuming, was it your first one? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was. So I've obviously done, like, journalism throughout most of my life, but it's probably the the only thing I've written that's been longer than a double-page spread. <laughs> what was it like, writing a book? Yeah, it was it was interesting, actually. So I got the, the book deal in about Feb. It was, like, Jan, Feb time. And I I really started to panic because I had... Three Hindus booked between like then and my deadline, which was July. I had like three Hindus. I was going on a trip to Sweden and then I got called up for jury service. And I was like, I just don't know when I'm going to write this book. I was like, what if my jury service goes on for like the whole six months? Who knows? And then I'm not saying I manifested COVID, but all of a sudden, the world just <laughs> shut down. Like my jury service got canceled. The Hindus got canceled. The trips to Sweden got canceled. And I all of a sudden had all this time. So it was like every day I just woke up, I wrote, I went to bed, I woke up, I wrote. And that was how I spent my whole first lockdown. So everyone says, oh, like writing a book so hard, you miss out on so much, you can't go to things. And I was just like sitting there writing every day. So it was, it was actually, again, a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And then I just kind of finished it. And then the world opened up again temporarily. So I got to do like a few nice things in the summer, which is good. Oh my
0: goodness. That's the perfect combo, isn't it? The people in charge were like, right, Millie has a book to write. So we need to think of something
1: <laughs> to make sure that she can do that. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, what can we do? I know, global pandemic
0: we've not had a pandemic in a while let's do one of those (laughs) they won't be expecting that (laughs)
1: yeah yeah so I'm not saying it was my
0: fault but what would you say to women who might want to give up drinking or uh, sober curious or or might want to reduce it a little bit? What would you, what advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah, I would say there's like a whole space on the internet that most people don't know about that is kind of dedicated to sobriety, sober curiosity, mindful drinking. Like there's a whole mindful drinking festival. There's like sober curious books and podcasts and As absolutely everything that you could think of. So I always say that Sober Girl Society operates as a bit of a sobriety concierge service. So if you come and you say, look, this is what I'm looking for, we can kind of direct you in the right place. But that's the first thing I'd say is just look around. I think so many of us are like, well, what's the first step? But There is so much out there, like Facebook groups, you know, meetups, whatever you want. There's there's something there. So I would just say just start looking really. And I mean, not just trying to plug the book, but at the um, end of the book, there is a whole I call it like the sobriety yellow pages is like all my recommendations of like sober books, sober podcasts, sober meetups, any organization. So that's like a really good place to start. If you are questioning your relationship with alcohol, um, I think the, the main question I would ask as well is like, is it serving you? The whole kind of conversation we had about, you know, it doesn't need to be the problem to be a problem. So uh, we always have this like typical thing of, you know, waiting till we're rock bottom or, you know, people will say oh yeah I think maybe you're drinking too much and you're like oh I'm not drinking like that much or you know I'm not that bad we kind of like wait and wait and wait until it kind of gets to a point where it is that bad so if you are kind of like questioning your relationship like know that you don't have to wait until it is that bad like you can kind of stop or reevaluate or take a break and I think now is actually a really good time to do that before the world opens up again. Right, these are, these are questions that everyone that
0: comes on LadyPod gets asked, and it might feel a bit random because we've been talking about drinking and not about feminism and all of that sort of thing. But what would you say is the worst thing about being a woman?
1: I mean, we could talk about it in terms of... In terms of drinking as well, so actually alcohol is quite sexist. So the way it affects men and women is very different. So, look, we don't metabolize alcohol as well. So if men drank the same as women, we would suffer more harm. But this kind of information isn't known. So one of my worst things about being a woman, I would think, is that so many things about us are under-researched. Um, I, I love uh, reading about kind of like data bias in in genders and and i think this is one of the prime examples is that alcohol is not researched as enough in women as it is in men
0: oh that's so interesting i had no idea i've actually got a book about that that i'm i've just started reading about the the data bias yes. stuff. yeah great um, book is it invisible women yes yeah invisible women yeah, yeah, great yeah, yeah have you read that yeah
1: and i listened what is, it, is it good really good and i listened It was on a podcast actually called 99% Invisible, I think. And I listened to the interview and I was like, I cannot believe some of these stats. And then when I was doing research for the book and I kind of looked into gender differences, I was like, it's the same. It's the same for us.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? I did an interview in my last series with um, a doctor who's an epidemiologist and she was saying how in science there is so much sexism like the drugs are all tested on men or there are certain like pieces of kit that are only made for for men yeah. and, and things like that and I, my mind was blown by it i was really
1: shocked yeah. i don't know
0: why i was shocked but i was i
1: tried to find <laughs> loads of information about alcohol and periods and like how it affects um whether it's kind of like being oh, on your period would make you crave alcohol more or you know when you're drinking whether it affects your periods so, like both ways I found it really hard to find anything, like really hard, and yet you know male fertility there was loads so another interesting thing like with I mean sorry to keep bringing back to booze but they kind of reckon that women um use alcohol more in an emotional way whereas men use it more in a social way so the difference is in like when they give up like men will find it kind of harder to be in social situations but we might hard like find it harder to kind of like deal with stress after a, a shit week at work so there's like different reasons why they think men and Women drink like obviously it's not exact science, but that's kind of like an overall theory. What do you think is the best thing on the other hand of being a woman? Oh, I mean we're just amazing, aren't we? Really, the things that that we can do. Do you know what? Just like sisterhood. I, I I've seen so many men and their friendship groups, and I always just think you just don't hold a candle to to girls' friendship groups. Like when me and my friends are together like everything is possible we just put the world to rights and i know men have close bonds with their friends but i just think it's, it's not like girl bonds i think that's my favorite thing about being a woman is like female friendships mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Millie for joining me. We love getting your feedback, so if you did like this episode, please write a review and subscribe on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. This is our third series, so if you're desperate for some more LadyPod, check out series one and two. You can also find us on Instagram. It's at underscore LadyPod. Same for Twitter. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next week. No,